You're listening to Manish. This is Jesse Rhodes. And just a quick warning. Today's show contains explicit sexual descriptions and is probably not suitable for children. You've been warned. PornMD is the internet's largest search engine for porn. And Pornhub took all of the data that they had from 2014 and they broke it down by Pornhub broke down the viewing habits of some of its visitors for Gizmodo and the results were very interesting to say the least. Coming from Pornhub Insights, they, as they so often do, will go over um, data So anyway, it's a great sociological experiment Porn here. MD, and basically what it does is shows what That seems awfully specific. Them. Very specific. We've needed this information for so long, I've or so wondering. short, I don't know. <laughs> I guess we'll find out. It's America, where do we stand? So first Mississippi, up, Ebony, Alabama, oh. Ebony, oh. Georgia, Ebony, oh. South Carolina, Ebony, oh. North Carolina, Ebony. That's awesome! A few years ago, PornMD, Pornhub search engine, made a big splash by reporting web traffic statistics. That means every time you went on to Pornhub, <clears throat> not you, but someone, Pornhub used Google Analytics to track your behavior. They know things like your age, gender, and location, and then they note what terms you searched for or how long you watched videos until, you know, you stopped watching a video for some reason. We learn things like blowjob is the most discussed position in the comment section, or that 76% of the viewers are men, or that anal gangbang has grown in popularity since 2009. And before we continue, let's just address the elephant in the room, internet porn. We've all seen it, it's popular and loved, and yet for fairly obvious reasons, it's also reviled for its misogyny, as something that perpetuates cycles of violence against women. And people want to change that. I watch porn, and I've struggled with this myself. I mean, for one, I like to think of myself as a pro-feminist man. And yet, I'm still turned on by porn. All of this is to say, when Pornhub created their blog, it felt like big data might finally tackle the most private part of men's lives. Our sexual fantasies. And so I dove in and was disappointed. Because after you step back from all the news articles, you can't help but feel like the blog comes up short. I mean, it's, it's a very, like, it's just data, right? It's just, it's numbers and, and terms so it's obviously it's not like the most personal kind of reporting i suppose that's alex klein a senior marketing coordinator for pornhub part of her job is working on the insights blog i asked her about the limitations of the data but i think it does you know it shows in like a larger sense what people's desires are which like if you we, we just have like this really interesting report on the top searches throughout the United States and just kind of showing like geographically like which kinds of content are more popular where. So like lesbian was the big one, but like um, sort of in the, the north, there's like a big chunk of states that are really into like stepsister porn or stepmom porn. I actually was looking at that one and, and I there was like, uh-huh. um, I think Kentucky had stepmom is maybe the top searched term and then ohio which is right above it was stepsister you know and and i'm like do you ever i mean 
how do you answer the why? Uh, like why? We can't. That's the thing. We we can't. Like there's you know there's all like in some instances yes we can definitely say like why a certain search term is really popular. So like when Kim Kardashian's uh, paper magazine cover came out, like searches for her went through the roof. I think they were up something crazy like nine hundred percent the day after. So like in these cases we can't. And like you'll notice that our language um, on the blog like we're never like saying like, oh, this is gross or this is weird because like we don't think that. It's just like it is what it is and we're just kind of trying to share it with people and start conversations, that's all. So after all that crunching, we're kind of back where we started. That shadowy underside is still pretty shadowy. We know what people are watching, but we don't know what they're thinking. We don't know why they watch it or all the feelings they have before, during, and after they watch it. So to do that, to get into someone else's head, you kind of have to sit down and talk to them. Ask them why they love gangbang so much. And who wants to do that? So hello, um, my name is uh, Florian. Um, I'm a 30 years old um, researcher in um, sociology, um, communication studies, uh, media studies. Um, I'm based in, uh, in Paris, uh, in France. Florian Voros, that's who. About seven years ago, Florian was a young, budding grad student, like early 20s young. And not only was he discovering his own sexuality at the time, but he decided to do something few sociologists have done, sit down and talk to porn users. Actually, the experience of doing the master's degree was um, slightly traumatic because I think I was discovered, it, it was a bit too new to me. For instance, I had um, a sociology of culture class and I wanted to, um, to apply the notions we had seen to my fieldwork. And I could see my teacher like looking at me like, sorry, but I cannot have an intro conversation in pornography. I just cannot. <laughs> so it was kind of fucked. Some colleagues even implied that Florian was just a pervert. But he persisted. A professor who had taken Florian under his wing supported the study, and things were underway. Florian went into forums for porn fans and presented himself as a PhD student looking for porn spectators. And I'm just going to stop here and say that I tried this several times in preparation for this episode. And it's not easy. I only got a few people to respond back, and even then, the distrust of an outsider to the forum was overwhelming. And this is what happened to Florian. There were aggressive demands that he prove he was straight, which he is not. Others wanted him to prove that he was in fact a PhD student, which he did. Oddly, there was a journalist bouncing around the forum at the same time. And I know what you're thinking, but it wasn't me, I swear. And at a quick glance, Florian noticed that the journalist was posting similar requests to his with similar blowback. In fact, the journalist made the mistake of using the word addict in one of his posts, and it created a storm of anger. But Florian continued posting, and slowly, unlike the journalist, he began getting interviewees. 34 of them, in fact. And here's what he did differently than the journalist. He said he was a fan, a porn fan. He even used an 
I love porn magnet as his avatar. And you could say that it was a bit disingenuous, but it did something important. It answered porn fans' biggest question. Are you going to judge me? And the picture of that porn magnet said, no. No, I'm not. This um, uncareful or this stupid announcement by this journalist kind of helped me because uh, with this new announcement, I was like the nice guy, the guy who was on their side, who was kind of defending porn users and showing that it's a valuable practice and you shouldn't you know, disregard them and treat them as you know, shameful addicts. So. In the meantime, in, uh, in private, um, um, some of uh, the, the users of this forum um, came to me and told me, okay, yeah, I'm, I, uh, I'm interested, um, how can we meet? Florian emailed back and forth with porn users, gained their trust, and started setting up interviews. Then Florian took the leap. He went into men's living rooms. Maybe their wives were at work or they were single. Sometimes men came over to his place and they talked. The first interviews I, I did were actually quite bad and I, when I'm listening back to the, uh, to the records I, it's really hard and I cringe a lot because I feel very, um, very stupid. And yeah, the first interviews I did Actually, I didn't get much information. So actually, it took me quite a, uh, a time to be confident with, with the topic and to actually um, have interviews that were in which we could enter in kind of sincere, um, thorough descriptions of um, my interviewees, um, everyday life. But Florian found his rhythm, and the interviews got better. First time you watched porn, how did it happen? What did it mean? I would like you to describe me uh, a porn film or... And, and I say that the interview kind of reproduced some of, some of the features of a sexual hookup in, uh, encounter. And most of these participants were pretty straightforward and um, were pretty efficient at being like, technical and describing what they like, how, how they do it. Others were a bit unsettled. Um, one, for instance, asked me if... Um, if it's okay, if he had a hard on, so I was like, yeah, it's okay because we're talking about porn, so there's uh, there's absolutely no worries. It's my job, and I'm totally used to it. Florian would watch the men's porn with them. He'd try to replicate their online experience while interviewing them, looking up their favorite search terms and watching the porn while they talked. Interviews lasted from one to six hours, and sometimes they'd meet more than once. Florian would balance empathy with contradiction, asking questions that ranged from the first porn you'd seen to what you thought about feminism or whether race played into your fantasies. The best example of this and most productive interview was with a man named Julian. So generally speaking, he was um, very loud and he was very conservative about, um, about everything on gender, on sexuality, on race. He was very nationalist. And, uh, and so we did the, uh, uh, the interview uh, at my place. And he had this quite um, impose, uh, imposing um, physical presence. And we were in my living room. And, and right away, he felt kind of at home in my living room. And, um, and so with heteronormative men, 
one question I was um, concerned with, or I played with because it was also a game for me, was at one point, is he gonna get that I'm not heterosexual? And what is it gonna change about our relationship? And so uh, with him, uh, he never got it and I never made it. And actually it's the only interview I would say in which it wasn't such a, a game anymore. And I was kind of very anxious about how it was going to turn out. Julian told him that he liked US gonzo porn, which is perhaps the most popular genre of porn on the internet. It's handheld, low-budget porn that often involves displays of male domination. But interestingly, Julian also told Florian that he was upset by the porn he watched. He, um, well, there's an interesting exchange he had in which he's, so he starts saying, oh yeah, so last evening I saw um, such porn video, and I was really mad because it was a really too extreme form of sexual domination, and so he was about to say probably that he, um, that he felt uncomfortable, that he was turned on by this, or that he jerked off to this, but then he kind of, I don't know if he actually says it, because right away he says, but no, actually, I would have been disturbed if at the end of the video, the female actress didn't kind of show that it was a play, a game, and after the actors kind of take care of her and, and give her a towel to wipe out all the sperm she has um, on the face, for instance. So he, he keeps kind of changing um, uh, scenarios, and he was struggling to connect his beliefs and his states. It was really hard for him. This is what it was like for a lot of the men he interviewed. They were split into two halves, the half that was turned on and the half that was ashamed. With the straight users, for instance, they were usually turned on by extreme male domination. But they also knew on some level that this was shameful. And for Florian, this bolstered a theory he had been playing with, that pornography is about, and these are Florian's words, transgressing standards of modesty, which means that men were actively seeking out porn they found shameful, because for these men, that shame intensified the pleasure. Well, yeah, I think the thing, um, something interesting about porn is that it's about being bad, because porn is about being naughty and about being perverse, and the way porn titillates us is by bringing us where we don't want to go. Most People are not turned on by what they would wish to be turned on. At this point, you might be thinking, then so what? Where's the problem? Why can't people be naughty? Or maybe you're not totally buying it because surely there are men out there who take the messages of porn to heart. But for Florian, it isn't about this, about condemning or embracing porn. It's more about how does this practice participate in um, the production of my sensations, of my imagination, of what I think about gender. Basically reflecting upon one owns um, every life practices and reflecting in a critical way. In other words, it's not about what you watch, but how you make sense of what you watch. Do you see it as pure fantasy or does it inform your view of the world? And this is an important question because, unlike most media, we watch pornography in isolation and never unpack it. And if we never unpack it, we never change. 
well, one the one of the aims of my of this investigation is to amplify and to open up and to participate in this creation of spaces of discussion around the uses of porn, precisely because I think that um, enhancing our uh, reflection uh, around these practices is a way to um, well to to change them eventually. And ironically, this brings us back to Pornhub. Statistics on web traffic might not be the best way to get inside a porn user's head, but it might be a good place to reflect or at least get the conversation started. You know, it's words and charts. Um, it's, it's just data, right? But it's, it does speak to kind of what a lot of people are doing. Like there's 60 million people that visit our site every day. It's, not really a big deal and you know there's some really interesting kind of trends that emerge that we can talk about but yeah i think by and large it's just it's important for people to just be comfortable talking about porn because like it or not like it's not going anywhere i don't think anyways um and i don't think that it's inherently bad i think it's just you know when we when we don't talk about it um that's when things can get kind of like dodgy because people are just kind of left to make up their own um, opinions or, or thoughts about what's real and what's not. And yeah, I think if people are just able to have a more open dialogue about porn, then it would just be much better. After the break, what comments in a porn forum sound like when you read them out loud. Pornography. Porn star. Stripping, pornography, prostitution, pornography, pornography. Uh, uh, access to pornography, X-rated films, a porn star, pornography. So we're going to talk about pornography. It was shocking. Porn. The numbers are staggering. Industry. Porn. 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 Pornography, 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 You're listening to Manish. This is Jesse Rhodes. Before the break, we heard from Florian Voros about his study of porn users. And something else Florian said resonated with me. He said to have interesting conversations about porn, most people need to be anonymous. And online porn forums are a place where this can happen. The reason this resonated with me is this. About a year ago, I reached out to porn users for interviews and only heard back from a few people. I was not nearly as successful as Florian. 
So I started scrolling through forums and subreddits for porn users, like the ones Florian mentioned, looking for as many perspectives as I could. I also came across an amazing blog that collected letters from men who watch pornography. And for several months, I scoured these forums and letters for quotes. I found readers and I recorded them. I recorded interviews with users. And what I ended up with is basically a conversation between porn users. And so to end the show, we're going to do something different. We're going to listen in on that discussion and see what a conversation between porn users might sound like. And just so you're not totally confused, because this piece does have a pretty different format, each section is going to start out with quotes from pundits, and we will transition into porn users. It'll be obvious once you start listening. I just wanted to give you a heads up. And also, just a reminder, the following does contain graphic sexual content and is most definitely not suitable for children. All right, here's the piece. Typically what I would do, I'd wait for everybody to be gone or for me to have like a moment alone to not do anything in the house. I'll go to my computer, I'll lock the door. I'll take off my pants and I'll start looking through my favorite porn site, which is like X2, and I'll just look for a girl whose face that I really, really like in the gifts. So, like, if I see that this girl, like, she's, like, smiling a lot, she's having a good time, she seems, like, friendly, and I'm just like, yeah, I want to watch her. That sounds great. Or I'll type in a specific scene that I want to watch, like, uh, you ever heard of Tila Tequila? She has this one lesbian. I'll find video what, yeah, so I'll find whatever video I want to watch, and I'll click on it, and I'll just sit there, and I'll crank one out, and when I'm done, I'm done. That's it. And then I'll wipe up, and then I'm back to doing whatever the hell I'm doing for if there mm-hmm. are people around and like I'm expected to go out and do stuff, like I'll I'll go inside real quick, lock the door, squirt one out, and then I'll go back to what I was doing. I like, go talk to people. I don't have to. I don't need to like sit and chill for a while. I can just go right into doing whatever I was doing. Like I need no. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, if it's like a really good session, maybe. Let's discuss pornography uh, with various supporters and opponents of it. No one cares about me. I could be dead and gone. Not really a secret. You're feeling dead and gone. Just remember Jesus, Jesus loves you. And you can pass it on. Temptations and occasions put nothing into a man, but only draw out what was in him before. Pornography used to be something so dark and scandalous it was kept in the shadows. What's going to happen to our kids in a world where it's omnipresent, available anywhere, anytime? Temptation is like a knife that may either cut the meat or the throat of a man. It may be his food or his poison. 
his exercise, or his destruction. It used to be I'd be driving along the highway here in Kansas City on I-35, and there'd be a, a big billboard for the Million Dollar Fantasy Ranch or something like that. And there'll be girls on there in bikinis hanging out and whatever. And, and um, I'd turn my head and not look and, you know, la 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 la, not think about it. I'd turn my head, I'd turn my head, I'd turn my head. Now, I'd turn my I, drive, head. I drive that same highway, I see that billboard, and I burst into tears for their salvation. I weep for the church that didn't go and get those those young women. I, I, I pray for the men that are establishing soul ties with them, even as they're driving down the highway. I, I when you see it through Jesus' eyes, you weep for the souls and for the people that are trapped in there. puritanical double standards culture where people believe that a teen abstinence campaign will actually work, where parents are too embarrassed to have conversations about sex with their children, and where educational institutions are terrified of being politically incorrect if they pick up those conversations. Porn does have an upside in lots of different ways. Um, it can be educational. I mean, this, this sound, you know, how do teenagers learn about sexuality in many ways? Through viewing pornography. I mean, there's one thing to have parents talk to you about the birds and the bees, and there's another thing to see what those birds and bees do. Anonymous. My brother was actually the one who introduced me to hardcore porn. This seemed like the holy grail to me. Finally, I saw and heard what was going on. Around that same time, I discovered what I liked and didn't like in porn. The yes column included straight fucking, lesbian sex, anal, female masturbation, interracial, black men and white, Asian, Latino women, some S&M, and even gay sex once in a while. Imagine my delight when I discovered, through porn, this was something that other people did and enjoyed. I began to feel less ashamed, to be able to revel in the pleasure which this act brings to me, and I hope my partner, and become more aggressively confident in asserting my normalcy in the wave of desire to bury my face between the cheeks of a pretty girl's ass and let my tongue circle and probe her asshole. Those images leak into the real world. And what they tell me is, first of all, that the more pornography they use, the more they expect their sex in their real lives to look like the pornography. And they get a shock because it's not like that. Because pornography is what I call industrial strength sex. And most women will not do that. They will simply not allow the men to do those acts to them. So these men get very upset, they get very angry, they don't understand why women, they've seen thousands of women do these things, why won't this one lying next to him do it? Solid fake. The internet is completely unfiltered and can't really be called educational for a young mind. It is a classic case of how our technology develops too fast for a society to catch up. Anonymous. Heavy masturbation to porn destroyed a number of relationships, and I cannot say I'm sorry. Porn was simply a more pleasing sexual experience most of the time for me. I can sneak it on my iPhone, in the bathroom at work, 
on more than one occasion in my car on my laptop in some deserted place like a cemetery while driving in my mind while I'm having sex. A researcher set out to try to measure the quote-unquote harmful effects of pornography and he needed two groups of guys, right? A group of guys who viewed porn and a group of guys who didn't. And they couldn't find any guys who didn't. There is no such thing as a guy who hasn't looked at porn. So if porn was this malignant force that turned all men into rapists who treated women like shit, there wouldn't be any men who weren't rapists and didn't treat women like shit. Anonymous. I was a geek. The life of a geek in those days was a lonely one. Humiliation was incessant. I decided that, should I become unable to ever acquire sex on my own, I would pursue the next best thing. Media displaying the intimate activities of those who could. I've come to accept my pornography as my surrogate sexual lifestyle. It is a hollow yet adequate solution to my otherwise celibate bachelor existence. Anonymous. As someone who's seen a bit of kinky porn, I found that it hasn't yet inspired me to dislike or resent women. If anything, accepting my kinks has made me less judgmental towards others. Luke. Porn does not lead to raping women. Porn leads to jacking off, which leads to making a sandwich, which leads to eating a sandwich, which leads to taking a nap. The guys who never watch porn are the ones you need to watch out for. Take your hands out of your pants and put them together, because this is the Sacred Sexuality Show, where we help you turn your sexuality into a superpower. That's right, so treat that dick like kryptonite and put on your tights, because today I'm going to tell you how to turn those boners into rocket ships that you can ride to your dreams. Here's a group on reddit.com who call themselves Fapstronauts. Fapping is slang for solo sex, but what they really mean is giving up porn. Constant novelty at a click can cause addiction. Fortunately, this movement to unhook from porn is growing rapidly. In fact, groups are springing up all across the web and in Europe too. If you're not using your sexuality to make love to your hand, okay? You can use that energy to make love to the world. You fill the world with your energetic seed. Whoa, okay, so there's no way anyone could have seen this coming. There's no way the first time I ever looked at porn I could have known that it would lead to this. And it's my fault for not trying harder to stop. But, uh, it's not my fault that the problem occurred in the first place, is it? No. But it's my problem that continued. So. <sighs> I've, um, I've relapsed. It's about four in the morning. I feel like shit. I'm so tired. Whenever I close my eyes, all I see is porn. Good luck, comrades.
Sex is not a disease. Sex addiction is not real. It is not an accepted diagnosis in medicine or science. We are addicted. We're addicted to using the word addiction to explain people's behavior. At some point, we took away people's right to make selfish, destructive decisions. And we started calling that an illness. Oh, it's so glamorous. He's out of control. It's a story about libido raging through somebody and destroying them like some Greek myth. When someone comes to me and they're washing their hands 40 times a day, I don't think to myself, oh, this person has a hand washing problem. I think they probably have obsessive compulsive disorder. I go through periods of binging and purging, just like a bulimic, hoarding gigs upon gigs of filth and deleting them with the result to be better about the collecting. Put back the Velcro and kick off your shoes. Pump up, pump up the volume and top up the booze. The powerful need for fulfillment is what porn offers and what I have embraced over the years. It offers a sense of accomplishment. Found the porn, got hard, stroked, ejaculated, climaxed. Wow, that felt so good. So why do I feel so empty? Let's try that again with something nastier this time. Pashtacular. It's horrible. You get into it so much whilst you're horny, you keep clicking the next link that arouses you. After a while, you think, fuck it, and come to some random, usually bad video, then wonder if what you just did was right. If someone were to find out what you just watched, you'd be called a pervert and be avoided. Yet nobody knows and nobody will know. Just you, there in your room, with a cummy tissue and feelings of hopelessness. Again, the cycle repeats. The top 200 renters, the top 200 sellers, the most visited porn pages and websites. And it's what's called gonzo, which is the body punishing sex. And indeed, what they say is that gonzo porn is the most profitable. Anonymous, the most disturbing aspect of my enjoyment of pornography is when I find myself enjoying the fact that the woman involved in the scene is not enjoying herself, yet must pretend that she is in order to provide me pleasure. It's sadistic and cruel and thoroughly enjoyable in only the way that those who feel powerless feel when they find themselves with power over others. Popcorn Batman. I, like I'm sure many on the internet, started out with fuzzy JPEGs of nipples. 
This then quickly spiraled downward, probably from my frequent 4chan visits, into some really fucked up shit. Anonymous. Dude, I don't understand why they can spend 20 minutes on oral on the guy and like 3 minutes going down on a girl. Really, porn producers. Less dick sucking and please let those porn ladies get off for once. Show me free hetero porn where they focus on the man's face and woman's face equally. The female actually orgasms and it doesn't end with a cum shot. Then maybe I'll reconsider. our fantasies are really gentle and sweet and sometimes our fantasies are a little bit edgy it allows you to live out certain fantasies that you might not want to live out in in reality whether it's because uh, they're hard to find or uncomfortable or you're afraid of judgment around it porn is made for entertainment it wouldn't sell so massively and be taking over our internet industry if it wasn't entertaining so entertaining yeah, yeah it's true anonymous one of the things about my relationship with porn is that i never took its attitudes about how women act sexually to heart i never expected women that i would meet in real life to act anything like porn actresses in their videos pornography is an art form that is just beautiful to watch beautiful you know exactly what I'm talking about. And I discovered a whole new way to use this fantasy part of my brain. Pornography releases stress. Trust me, it releases stress all the time. My life is not fascinating or exciting, but it's also far from miserable. I walk through the street and feel jealous of the couples I see kissing or holding hands. I want to experience that, but in the meantime, I am happy with what I have and I enjoy porn as a means of entertainment and self-discovery. I feel like it's healthier to treat it as a cheap indulgence that I can engage in from time to time without feeling too guilty, dirty, weird afterwards. Let's say we want to believe that everything we know about media and people's behavior is wrong, that media have no effect on us. And let's say that this was just fantasy, right? that pornography is nothing but fantasy. Well, we have to ask ourselves kind of a simple question. Why are men's fantasies like this? What does it say about a culture in which billions of dollars are spent by men to consume images of sexual pleasure in the context of the routine humiliation and degradation of women. What would we say about ourselves as a culture if that's all we could conclude from pornography? That is 
perhaps the most important question, because that asks us to consider not only questions about pornography, but questions about who we are as a people. How do we understand gender, what it means to be male and female, and how do we understand sexuality, not just in the case of pornography. Havia, Manhattan. Well, you know all the bad stuff they say about porn, how it objectifies, etc. That's true. The good stuff they say, how it can open people's minds and bedrooms, is also true. It's our job to find a healthy balance as people. Special thanks to Alex Klein, Florian Voros, and Derek Wilson for speaking with me on tape, and Susanna Breslin for sharing her online project, Letters from Men Who Watch Pornography. Also, thank you, thank you to all the people who volunteered their voices. Brandon Pascal, Cliff Casablancas, Ken Look, Christopher Rhodes, Rachel Rhodes, Gregory Polina, Anthony Corey Chan, Ryan Hardiman, Nick Cook, Tony Tosh, Shoshana Walter, Alan Walter, Nahal Oztek, and Simon Lamb. To learn more about any of the music you heard in today's show, go to soundcloud.com slash mannish podcast. You can follow me on Twitter. Please subscribe on iTunes. And thank you for listening. See you next time.